Chapter 9 of The Journal of John Woolman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Journal of John Woolman by John Woolman. Chapter 9 1763 to 1769. Religious conversation with a company met to see the tricks of a juggler. Account of John Smith's advice and of the proceedings of a committee at the yearly meeting in 1764. Contemplations on the nature of true wisdom. Visit to the families of friends at Mount Holly, Mansfield, and Burlington, and to the meetings on the seacoast from Cape May towards Squan. Some account of Joseph Nichols and his followers. On the different state of the first settlers in Pennsylvania who depended on their own labor compared with those of the southern provinces who kept Negroes. Visit to the northern parts of New Jersey and the western parts of Maryland and Pennsylvania. Also to the families of friends at Mount Holly and several parts of Maryland. Further considerations on keeping slaves and his concern for having been a party to the sale of one. Thoughts on friends exercising offices in civil government. The latter part of the summer, 1763, there came a man to Mount Holly who had previously published a printed advertisement that at a certain public house he would show many wonderful operations which were therein enumerated. At the appointed time he did, by sleight of hand, perform sundry things which appeared strange to the spectators. Understanding that the show was to be repeated the next night, and that the people were to meet about sunset, I felt an exercise on that account. So I went to the public house in the evening and told the man of the house that I had an inclination to spend a part of the evening there, with which he signified that he was content. Then, sitting down by the door, I spoke to the people in the fear of the Lord, as they came together concerning this show, and labored to convince them that their thus assembling to see these sleight-of-hand tricks and bestowing their money to support men who, in that capacity, were of no use to the world, was contrary to the nature of the Christian religion. One of the company endeavored to show by arguments the reasonableness of their proceedings herein. But after considering some texts of Scripture and calmly debating the matter, he gave up the point. After spending about an hour among them and feeling my mind easy, I departed. 25th of Ninth Month, 1764 At our yearly meeting at Philadelphia this day, John Smith of Marlborough, aged upwards of eighty years, a faithful minister, though not eloquent, stood up in our meeting of ministers and elders 
and appearing to be under a great exercise of spirit, informed friends in substance as follows. Quote, that he had been a member of our society upwards of sixty years, and he well remembered that in those early times friends were a plain, lowly-minded people, and that there was much tenderness and contrition in their meetings. That, at twenty years from that time, the society increasing in wealth, and in some degree conforming to the fashions of the world, true humility was less apparent, and their meetings in general were not so lively and edifying. That, at the end of forty years, many of them were grown very rich, and many of the society made a specious appearance in the world. That wearing fine costly garments, and using silver and other watches, became customary with them, their sons and their daughters. These marks of outward wealth and greatness appeared on some in our meetings of ministers and elders, and as such things became more prevalent, so the powerful overshadowings of the Holy Ghost were less manifest in the society. That there had been a continued increase of such ways of life, even until the present time, and that the weakness which hath now overspread the society and the barrenness manifest among us is matter of much sorrow. End quote. He then mentioned the uncertainty of his attending these meetings in future, expecting his dissolution was near, and having tenderly expressed his concern for us, signified that he had seen in the true light that the Lord would bring back his people from these things, into which they were thus degenerated, but that his faithful servants must go through great and heavy exercises. Twentieth of Ninth Month The committee appointed by the yearly meeting to visit the quarterly and monthly meetings gave an account in writing of their proceedings in that service. They signified that in the course of the visit they had been apprehensive that some persons holding offices in government, inconsistent with our principles, and others who kept slaves, remaining active members in our meetings for discipline, had been one means of weakness prevailing in some places. After this report was read, an exercise revived in my mind which had attended me for several years, and inward cries to the Lord were raised in me that the fear of man might not prevent me from doing what he required of me, and standing up, I spoke in substance as follows. I have felt a tenderness in my mind towards persons in two circumstances mentioned in that report, namely, towards such active members as keep slaves and such as hold offices in civil government. And I have desired that friends, in all their conduct, may be kindly affectioned one towards another. Many friends who keep slaves are under some exercise on that account. 
and at times think about trying them with freedom, but find many things in their way. The way of living and the annual expenses of some of them are such that it seems impracticable for them to set their slaves free without changing their own way of life. It has been my lot to be often abroad, and I have observed in some places, at quarterly and yearly meetings, and at some houses where traveling friends and their horses are often entertained, that the yearly expense of individuals therein is very considerable, and friends in some places crowding much on persons in these circumstances for entertainment hath rested as a burden on my mind for some years past. I now express it in the fear of the Lord, greatly desiring that friends here present may duly consider it. In the fall of this year, having hired a man to work, I perceived in conversation with him that he had been a soldier in the late war on this continent and he informed me in the evening, in a narrative of his captivity among the Indians, that he saw two of his fellow captives tortured to death in a very cruel manner. This relation affected me with sadness, under which I went to bed, and the next morning, soon after I awoke, a fresh and living sense of divine love overspread my mind, in which I had a renewed prospect of the nature of that wisdom from above, which leads to a right use of all gifts, both spiritual and temporal, and gives content therein. Under a feeling thereof, I wrote as follows, Hath he who gave me a being attended with many wants unknown to brute creatures, given me a capacity superior to theirs, and shown me that a moderate application to business is suitable to my present condition, and that this, attended with his blessing, may supply all my outward wants while they remain within the bounds he hath fixed and while no imaginary wants proceeding from an evil spirit have any place in me. Attend then, O my soul, to this pure wisdom as thy sure conductor through the manifold dangers of this world. Doth pride lead to vanity? Doth vanity form imaginary wants? Do these wants prompt men to exert their power in requiring more from others than they would be willing to perform themselves were the same required of them. Do these proceedings beget hard thoughts? Do hard thoughts, when ripe, become malice? Does malice, when ripe, become revengeful, and in the end inflict terrible pains on our fellow creatures and spread desolations in the world. Do mankind, walking in uprightness, delight in each other's happiness? And do those who are capable of this attainment, by giving way to an evil spirit, 
employ their skill and strength to afflict and destroy one another. Remember then, O my soul, the quietude of those in whom Christ governs, and in all thy proceedings feel after it. Doth he condescend to bless thee with his presence, to move and influence thee to action, to dwell and to walk in thee? Remember then thy station as being sacred to God. Accept of the strength freely offered to thee, and take heed that no weakness in conforming to unwise, expensive, and hard-hearted customs, gendering to discord and strife, be given way to. Doth he claim my body as his temple, and graciously require that I may be sacred to him? Oh, that I may prize this favor, and that my whole life may be conformable to this character. Remember, O my soul, that the Prince of Peace is thy Lord, that he communicates his unmixed wisdom to his family, that they, living in perfect simplicity, may give no just cause of offense to any creature, but that they may walk as he walked. Having felt an openness in my heart towards visiting families in our own meeting, and especially in the town of Mount Holly, the place of my abode, I mentioned it at our monthly meeting in the forepart of the winter of 1764, which, being agreed to, and several friends of our meeting being united in the exercise, we proceeded therein and through divine favor we were helped in the work, so that it appeared to me as a fresh reviving of godly care among friends. The latter part of the same winter I joined my friend William Jones in a visit to friends' families in Mansfield, in which labor I had cause to admire the goodness of the Lord toward us my mind being drawn towards friends along the sea-coast from Cape May to near Squan, and also to visit some people in those parts, among whom there is no settled worship, I joined with my beloved friend Benjamin Jones in a visit to them, having friends' unity therein. We set off the 24th of 10th month, 1765, and had a prosperous and very satisfactory journey, feeling at times, through the goodness of the heavenly shepherd, the gospel to flow freely towards a poor people scattered in these places. Soon after our return, I joined my friends John Sleeper and Elizabeth Smith in a visit to friends' families at Burlington, there being at this time about fifty families of our society in that city. And we had cause humbly to adore our Heavenly Father, who baptized us into a feeling of the state of the people, and strengthened us to labor in true gospel love among them.
having had a concern at times for several years to pay a religious visit to friends on the eastern shore of Maryland and to travel on foot among them, that by so traveling I might have a more lively feeling of the condition of the oppressed slaves, set an example of lowliness before the eyes of their masters, and be more out of the way of temptation to unprofitable converse. Am the time drawing near in which I believed it my duty to lay my concern before our monthly meeting, I perceived, in conversation with my beloved friend John Sleeper, that he also was under a similar concern to travel on foot in the form of a servant among them, as he expressed it. This he told me before he knew aught of my exercise. Being thus drawn the same way, we laid our exercise and the nature of it before friends, and, obtaining certificates, we set off the 6th of 5th month, 1766, and were at meetings with friends at Wilmington, Duck Creek, Little Creek, and Motherkill. My heart was often tendered under the divine influence and enlarged in love towards the people among whom we traveled. From Motherkill we crossed the country about 35 miles to Tuckahoe in Maryland and had a meeting there, and also at Marshy Creek. At the last three meetings there were a considerable number of the followers of one Joseph Nichols, a preacher who, I understand, is not in outward fellowship with any religious society, but professeth nearly the same principles as those of our society, and often travels up and down, appointing meetings which many people attend. I heard of some who had been irreligious people that were now his followers, and were become sober, well-behaved men and women. Some irregularities, I hear, have been among the people at several of his meetings, but from what I have perceived, I believe the man and some of his followers are honestly disposed, but that skillful fathers are wanting among them. We then went to Chop Tank and Third Haven, and thence to Queen Anne's. The weather for some days past having been hot and dry, and we having traveled pretty steadily, and having hard labor in meetings, I grew weakly, at which I was for a time discouraged. But looking over our journey, and considering how the Lord had supported our minds and bodies, so that we had gone forward much faster than I expected before we came out, I saw that I had been in danger of too strongly desiring to get quickly through the journey, and that the bodily weakness now attending me was a kindness, and then, in contrition of spirit, I became very thankful to my gracious Father 
for this manifestation of his love and in humble submission to his will my trust in him was renewed in this part of our journey i had many thoughts on the different circumstances of friends who inhabit pennsylvania and jersey from those who dwell in maryland virginia and carolina pennsylvania and new jersey were settled by friends who were convinced of our principles in england in times of suffering these coming over bought lands of the natives and applied to husbandry in a peaceable way and many of their children were taught to labor for their living few of these i believe settled in any of the southern provinces but by the faithful labors of traveling friends in early times there was considerable convincement among the inhabitants of these parts i also remembered having read of the warlike disposition of many of the first settlers in those provinces and of their numerous engagements with the natives in which much blood was shed even in the infancy of the colonies some of the people inhabiting those places being grounded in customs contrary to the pure truth were affected with the powerful preaching of the word of life and joined in fellowship with our society and in so doing they had a great work to go through in the history of the reformation from popery it is observable that the progress was gradual from age to age the uprightness of the first reformers in attending to the light and understanding given to them opened the way for sincere-hearted people to proceed further afterwards and thus each one truly fearing god and laboring in the works of righteousness appointed for him in his day findeth acceptance with him through the darkness of the times and the corruption of manners and customs some upright men may have had little more for their day's work than to attend to the righteous principle in their minds as it related to their own conduct in life without pointing out to others the whole extent of that into which the same principle would lead succeeding ages thus for instance among an imperious warlike people supported by oppressed slaves some of these masters i suppose are awakened to feel and to see their error and through sincere repentance cease from oppression and become like fathers to their servants showing by their example a pattern of humility in living and moderation in governing for the instruction and admonition of their oppressing neighbors these without carrying the reformation further have i believe found acceptance with the lord such was the beginning and those who succeeded them and who faithfully attended to the nature and spirit of the reformation 
have seen the necessity of proceeding forward, and have not only to instruct others by their own example in governing well, but have also to use means to prevent their successors from having so much power to oppress others. Here I was renewedly confirmed in my mind that the Lord, whose tender mercies are over all his works, and whose ear is open to the cries and groans of the oppressed, is graciously moving in the hearts of people to draw them off from the desire of wealth and to bring them into such an humble, lowly way of living that they may see their way clearly to repair to the standard of true righteousness, and may not only break the yoke of oppression, but may know him to be their strength and support in times of outward affliction. We crossed Chester River, had a meeting there, and also at Cecil and Sassafras. My bodily weakness, joined with a heavy exercise of mind, was to me an humbling dispensation, and I had a very lively feeling of the state of the oppressed. Yet I often thought that what I suffered was little compared with the sufferings of the blessed Jesus and many of his faithful followers, and I may say with thankfulness that I was made content. From Sassafras we went pretty directly home, where we found our families well. For several weeks after our return, I had often to look over our journey, and though to me it appeared as a small service, and that some faithful messengers will yet have more bitter cups to drink in those southern provinces, for Christ's sake, than we have had, yet I found peace in that I had been helped to walk in sincerity according to the understanding and strength given to me. Thirteenth of Eleventh Month With the unity of friends at our monthly meeting, and in company with my beloved friend Benjamin Jones, I set out on a visit to friends in the upper part of this province. Having had drawings of love in my heart that way for a considerable time, we traveled as far as Hardwick, and I had inward peace in my labors of love among them. Through the humbling dispensations of divine providence, my mind hath been further brought into a feeling of the difficulties of friends and their servants southwestward and being often engaged in spirit on their account, I believed it my duty to walk into some parts of the western shore of Maryland on a religious visit. Having obtained a certificate from friends of our monthly meeting, I took leave of my family under the heart-tendering operation of truth, and on the 20th of 4th month, 1767, rode to the ferry opposite to Philadelphia, and thence walked to William Horn's at Derby the same evening. Next day I pursued my journey alone and reached Concord weekday meeting. Discouragements and a weight of distress had at times attended me in this lonesome walk, 
but through these afflictions I was mercifully preserved. Sitting down with friends, my mind was turned towards the Lord to wait for his holy leadings. And in infinite love, he was pleased to soften my heart into humble contrition, and renewedly to strengthen me to go forward, so that to me it was a time of heavenly refreshment in a silent meeting. The next day I came to New Garden weekday meeting, in which I sat in bowedness of spirit, and being baptized into a feeling of the state of some present, the Lord gave us a heart-tendering season. To his name be the praise. Passing on, I was at Nottingham monthly meeting, and at a meeting at Little Britain on first day. In the afternoon, several friends came to the house where I lodged, and we had a little afternoon meeting. And through the humbling power of truth, I had to admire the loving-kindness of the Lord manifested to us. 26th of Fourth Month I crossed the Susquehanna, and coming among people in outward ease and greatness, supported chiefly on the labor of slaves, my heart was much affected. And in awful retiredness, my mind was gathered inward to the Lord, humbly desiring that in true resignation I might receive instruction from him respecting my duty among this people. Though traveling on foot was wearisome to my body, yet it was agreeable to the state of my mind. Being weakly, I was covered with sorrow and heaviness on account of the prevailing spirit of this world by which customs grievous and oppressive are introduced on the one hand and pride and wantonness on the other. In this lonely walk and state of abasement and humiliation, the condition of the church in these parts was opened before me, and I may truly say with the prophet, I was bowed down at the hearing of it, I was dismayed at the seeing of it. Under this exercise I attended the quarterly meeting at Gunpowder, and in bowedness of spirit I had to express with much plainness my feelings respecting friends living in fullness on the labors of the poor oppressed Negroes, and that promise of the Most High was now revived. I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. Here the sufferings of Christ and his tasting death for every man and the travels, sufferings, and martyrdom of the apostles and primitive Christians in laboring for the conversion of the Gentiles were livingly revived in me, and according to the measure of strength afforded, I labored in some tenderness of spirit, being deeply affected among them. The difference between the present treatment which these Gentiles, the Negroes, receive at our hands, and the labors of the primitive Christians for the conversion of the Gentiles, were pressed home, and the power of truth came over us under a feeling of which my mind was united 
to a tender-hearted people in these parts. The meeting concluded in a sense of God's goodness towards his humble, dependent children. The next day was a general meeting for worship, much crowded, in which I was deeply engaged in inward cries to the Lord for help, that I might stand wholly resigned and move only as he might be pleased to lead me. I was mercifully helped to labor honestly and fervently among them, in which I found inward peace, and the sincere were comforted. From this place I turned towards Pipe Creek and the Redlands, and had several meetings among friends in those parts. My heart was often tenderly affected under a sense of the Lord's goodness in sanctifying my troubles and exercises, turning them to my comfort, and I believe to the benefit of many others, for I may say with thankfulness that in this visit it appeared like a tendering visitation in most places. I passed on to the Western Quarterly Meeting in Pennsylvania. During the several days of this meeting, I was mercifully preserved in an inward feeling after the mind of truth, and my public labors tended to my humiliation, with which I was content. After the quarterly meeting for worship ended, I felt drawings to go to the women's meeting for business, which was very full. Here the humility of Jesus Christ as a pattern for us to walk by was livingly opened before me, and in treating on it my heart was enlarged, and it was a baptizing time. I was afterwards at meetings at Concord, Middletown, Providence, and Haddonfield, whence I returned home and found my family well. A sense of the Lord's merciful preservation in this my journey excites reverent thankfulness to him. Second of Ninth Month, 1767 With the unity of friends, I set off on a visit to friends in the upper part of Berks and Philadelphia counties, was at eleven meetings in about two weeks, and have renewed cause to bow in reverence before the Lord, who, by the powerful extendings of his humbling goodness, opened my way among friends, and I trust made the meetings profitable to us. The following winter I joined some friends in a family visit to some part of our meeting, in which exercise the pure influence of divine love made our visits reviving. Fifth of Fifth Month 1768. I left home under the humbling hand of the Lord, with a certificate to visit some meetings in Maryland, and to proceed without a horse seemed clearest to me. I was at the quarterly meetings at Philadelphia and Concord, whence I proceeded to Chester River, and, crossing the bay, was at the yearly meeting at West River. I then returned to Chester River, and taking a few meetings in my way, proceeded home. 
it was a journey of much inward waiting, and as my eye was to the Lord, way was several times open to my humbling admiration when things appeared very difficult. On my return I felt a very comfortable relief of mind. Having through divine help labored in much plainness, both with friends selected and in the more public meetings, so that I trust the pure witness in many minds was reached. 11th of 6th month, 1769. There have been sundry cases of late years within the limits of our monthly meeting respecting the exercising of pure righteousness towards the Negroes, in which I have lived under a labor of heart that equity might be steadily preserved. On this account I have had some close exercises among friends, in which, I may thankfully say, I find peace. And as my meditations have been on universal love, my own conduct in time past became of late very grievous to me. As persons setting Negroes free in our province are bound by law to maintain them in case they have need of relief, some in the time of my youth who scrupled to keep slaves for term of life were wont to detain their young Negroes in their service without wages till they were thirty years of age. With this custom I so far agreed that being joined with another friend in executing the will of a deceased friend, I once sold a Negro lad till he might attain the age of thirty years, and applied the money to the use of the estate. With abasement of heart, I may now say that sometimes as I have sat in a meeting, with my heart exercised towards that awful being who respecteth not persons nor colors, and have thought upon this lad, I have felt that all was not clear in my mind respecting him, and as I have attended to this exercise and fervently sought the Lord, it hath appeared to me that I should make some restitution." but in what way I saw not till lately, when, being under some concern that I might be resigned to go on a visit to some part of the West Indies, and under close engagement of spirit, seeking to the Lord for counsel herein, the aforesaid transaction came heavily upon me, and my mind for a time was covered with darkness and sorrow. Under this sore affliction my heart was softened to receive instruction, and I now first perceived that as I had been one of the two executors who had sold this lad for nine years longer than is common for our own children to serve, so I should now offer part of my substance to redeem the last half of the nine years but as the time was not yet come, I executed a bond, binding myself and my executors to pay to the man to whom he was sold what to candid men might appear equitable for the last four and a half years of his time, 
in case the said youth should be living, and in a condition likely to provide comfortably for himself. Ninth of Tenth Month My heart hath often been deeply afflicted under a feeling that the standard of pure righteousness is not lifted up to the people by us as a society in that clearness which it might have been had we been as faithful as we ought to be to the teachings of christ and as my mind hath been inward to the lord the purity of christ's government hath been made clear to my understanding and i have believed in the opening of universal love that where a people who are convinced of the truth of the inward teachings of christ are active in putting laws in execution which are not consistent with pure wisdom it hath a necessary tendency to bring dimness over their minds my heart having been thus exercised for several years with a tender sympathy towards my fellow members i have within a few months past expressed my concern on this subject in several meetings for discipline End of chapter nine